Hello there, everybody. Welcome on into a Thursday installment of Locked On Patriots. Mark Schofield sliding into the big chair for this Thursday, October 11th, 2018. Going to do some listener questions today. Got a wide array of topics we're going to dive into. I put out the clarion call for for some questions from people. I got stuff from quarterbacks to the Chiefs-Pats game to getting back into football and even, yes, Toto. Before we dive into all of that, though, reminder to follow me on Twitter at Mark Schofield. Check out the work at places like InsideThePylon.com, Pro Football Weekly, The Score, Matt Waldman's Rookie Scouting Portfolio, Big Blue View, part of the SB Nation family of websites. As I've said, if there's an outlet cover in football, chances are I've done something for them about the game. Let's dive into some non-football stuff, though, at the outset. Again, I've got a ton of questions to get to. Thank you so much for all of those who, who sent in questions via the Twitter machine. We do have some, some non-football stuff to sort of talk about here at the outset. First, everybody in the southeastern area of the country, specifically you know the Florida Panhandle, certainly on all of our minds right now. For those of you that are down in that area, thoughts and prayers are going out to you. I hope you all are safe. Obviously, Hurricane Michael coming ashore yesterday in cat strong category four. At times it even looked like it might even up, get upgraded to a cat five storm. Something that the Florida Panhandle has never seen. And what's scary about this between the storm surge and the winds, of course, is not just for the Panhandle area, but how it's going to sort of linger into the Carolinas, places that are already inundated with rain, with flooding from Hurricane Florence. And so it's going to be a, a bad situation in the southeastern part of the country. Uh, hopefully, those of you listening down in the area are okay. Hopefully, you've heeded the advice of emergency personnel and evacuated if necessary and getting yourself into a safer ground. And, and we're thinking of you and hopefully all goes well with this storm in the aftermath of Hurricane Florence. Also, and this is something more you know, near and dear to my heart here, and it's an issue that I've talked about a ton on this show and other places. This is Mental Health Awareness Week, and I haven't got a chance to talk about that yet. And I did want to take a couple of minutes here at the start to, to address it. You know, this is a week dedicated to mental health. You know, Wednesday was World Mental Health Day. Today, Thursday, is National Depression Screening Day. And, you know, as I've said before on this show, elsewhere, this is important. And it's important for people to sort of be open about this because it is hard. It is hard if you are struggling with depression, if you are struggling with mental health sometimes, to be open about it. And so I've always thought that as somebody that has been through that, that has been through the darkness and sort of come out of it, thanks in large part to my new career and to people like you who listen to the show and give me a reason to keep going and doing this and you know, go, not going back to the life that I had before where I was struggling with this stuff on a more regular day-to-day basis. You know, it's important now that I've sort of come through it to be open about it, to be honest about it so people know that you know, things like talking helps. And I've offered before many times on the show, and I'll reopen that offer. If you are struggling with depression, if you are struggling with anxiety, if you are struggling with these issues, and maybe you don't feel like going to a family member, you don't feel like going to a doctor right away, or you just, you want a place to start, reach out to me at Mark Schofield on Twitter, mark.schofield at insidethepylon.com if you want to do it via email. If you'd want to talk on the phone, just reach out to me via one of those ways and we can set that up. I'm here to help you. 
You know, I'm so lucky right now in that what I do has sort of helped to eliminate the depression, the stress, the anxiety that I used to suffer from on a daily basis when I was a lawyer. You know, but I've been through that. I know how hard it can be. And I know how when you're in that moment, when you're struggling with that stuff and you hear somebody say, oh, just reach out to me. It's sometimes like, look, I can't because you're paralyzed. It can be crippling at times. And so please, I know it sounds hard. I know it sounds like maybe the last thing you want to do. But if there's a way that you feel more comfortable reaching out to a guy you listen to on a daily basis who has been there rather than a family member or a clergy member or a professional, If I can be that first outlet, that first step, that first resource for you, or any kind of resource for you, please do not hesitate. Please do not hesitate. You know, because you guys who have let me into your homes on a daily basis now for over a year do mean a lot to me. I get to do this because of you. And so it's the least I can do to try to help those of you who are going through this. And so I did want to say that here at the outset. Let's get into some stuff. We're going to start with some Patriots Chiefs related questions at the outset. First, a little bit of news. Andy Reid yesterday in his press conferences did say that Justin Houston, defender, defensive end, edged player for the Kansas City Chiefs, it's going to be a stretch if he goes. That obviously is something to watch as we get closer to Sunday night. He's a big sort of integral part of what they do on the defensive side of the ball. Let's get to some questions now. First question. And this first question comes to us from Stephen Thompson, who is at We Play for Titles on Twitter. He is also the founder of Die Hard Boston Sports Fans. That's at D-I-E-H-A-R-D-B-O-S-F-A-N-S on Twitter. He also hosts with Chris Blakely. Uh, a podcast over there as well. So check them out, diehardbostonsportsfans.com. And Chris asks, how will the Patriots' defense attack the Chiefs' offense? And that is obviously, for, for many, the place to start when analyzing this game because that does seem to be sort of the matchup. You know, Patrick Mahomes in a high-flying offense against, you know, Dante Hightower, Kyle Van Noy in this Patriots' defense, the chess match between Andy Reid and Bill Belichick and Brian Flores. And... You know, having done the crossover show with Ryan Tracy and Chris Clark, you know, a lot of people sort of look at the fact that Andy Reid has sort of had his number, had Belichick's number over the past couple of meetings between these two teams. That does seem like the place to start. And when I sort of watch where this Patriots defense is right now, specifically what they did last week, you know, I'm writing about this for the score, um, for my X's and O's preview for this weekend's slate of games. I've talked about it on the Tape Tuesday show. It does seem like that switch to a 3-2-6 that was almost a base package against Indianapolis. Sometimes they went 3-3-5. Sometimes they went four-man front. But it did seem like they used that 3-2-6 package a lot. With Chun as a swing defender between the second and the third levels might be a nod or a wink in the direction of what they expect to do or what they are going to try to do Sunday night. And... We all know that Super Bowl 25 defensive game plan from Belichick against Jim Kelly and that K-gun, you know, wide open offense. When that, you know, Giants defense that prided itself on stopping the run. And we know the stories about when they were handed that game plan and Belichick stood in front of that group and said, look, we are going to let Thurman Thomas rush for 100 yards. And that defense, they went nuts in that meeting room. There's no way. We know. We stopped the run. He is not getting 100 yards. And Belichick explained to them, look, we do that. We let them run. We give them the opportunity to run the ball. 
it slows them down. It takes the ball out of Kelly's hands. It takes the gun out the ball out of that K gun wide open passing game offense. So my thinking is we're going to see a version of that game plan where they show you 3-2-6 a ton. And they show you these light defensive packages and they say, look, Reed, Mahomes, if you guys want to run it with Kareem Hunt all day long, fine. We'd rather have to stop that and make you work the ball down the field than giving you, you know, some easier looks, some deep ball type stuff. You know, two plays, drive, touchdown. You know, if you work it downfield and work a 14-play drive on us, having to run the ball and hitting short routes, okay, we'll tip our hat to you. But we're not going to make it easy for you. We're not going to give you the deep stuff. We're going to make you earn it up front. And we're going to play behind it. We're going to play soft zone coverage and take that stuff away. And the trust will be in guys like Patrick Chun to play more like a third linebacker in that situation to help stop in the run. So that's my thought on how they're going to approach this game. It's going to be similar to that Super Bowl 25 game plan. Let's sort of flip the script here, talk about the Patriots on offense. And this is from Baldo Blue at B-A-L-D-O-B-L-U-E on Twitter. You know, give Baldo a follow. How would you scheme Gronk and also Gordon to exploit weak Kansas City safety position? And I, I think that's a great question, and it's something that the Patriots are going to look to do. You know, that Kansas City defense, despite you know, sort of stop it and get a number of turnovers from Blake Borders last week. It's still a weak link for this team with that safety position in particular, given the fact that Eric Berry still has yet to play this season, given that heel injury that he's suffering from. I do think that we're going to see a couple of different concepts, concepts that the Patriots have run before. And I think a good way to attack this defense would be using those two guys on those elements. First is the dagger concept. And this is a play that, you know, Brady threw an interception on against the Dolphins when, you know, Bobby McClain sort of came off the seam route and jump the dig route. But that's a route where you've got the seam from the inside receiver and a dig route from the outside receiver. It sort of stretches that safety. You want to stretch him with the seam, make him work upfield, and then you get that dig route working underneath. And maybe you get the safety to sort of jump that. Then you get the seam route over the top. That's a one way. Another way is a play we've talked about before, the Mills concept. You can run that with those two guys as well. You get Gronk on the dig, Gordon on that post over the top. Kansas City is traditionally a single high safety team. A lot of cover one, a lot of cover three. You know, So that's a way to do it as well. Finally, if they are going to give you those single high looks, cover one, cover three, what's one of our favorite cover three beaters, our favorite single high beater? We talk about it a ton on this show. You guys and girls probably know where I'm going right now, that Haas concept. You can go mirrored Haas. You know, you get the hitch routes on these outside, say from a Dorset or a Hogan and an Edelman on the other side. Or you could go Haas wide juke where you get... Edelman in, in the middle of that, running that juke route, and you've got the you know matching hitch routes outside from Dorset and you know Hogan. And you get in the seam. You get Gronk up one seam, Gordon up the other. If you do get that single high look, then you're bracketing that safety with arguably your two best sort of vertical threats right now in Gronk and Gordon. And so those are some looks that I'd expect sort of New England to to roll out on Sunday. Up next, we're going to do some other stuff. We're going to talk, you know, passing concepts that I've seen this year and studying other teams. We're going to talk rookie quarterbacks. We're going to talk building a basketball team with NFL players. And a little bit later, you know, we're going to talk about getting back into football. We're going to talk about uh, skill sets for punt returners and kick returners. And, of course, a little bit of Toto because every time I open it up for listener questions, I get some Toto questions. 
But first, I want to remind everybody about our great new friends over at Loki. You need a little extra swag for game day? Loki has got your back with their brand new game day collection. And as this is sort of, you know, mental health world, you know, mental health awareness week, these Loki bracelets are a great, great way to sort of approach that issue. The Loki bracelet, it comes in Patriot's colors, but it holds water from Mount Everest, the highest point on Earth, and mud from the Dead Sea, the lowest point on Earth. It's a daily reminder to keep that balance in life between the highs and the lows. That is such a great message on a week like this and actually a year-round to keep that balance. And as I've talked about on this show before, it's a great way to do that. This bracelet is a great way to do that. Since they are friends of the show, they are offering you an exclusive discount of 25% off all game day collection bracelets. Just use the promo code PATRIOTS25 when checking out and boom, you can thank me later for the savings. Go to LOKI, that's L-O-K-A-I dot com and use that promo code PATRIOTS25 to take advantage of this amazing deal. Up next, we're going to get into some rookie quarterback stuff, some passing concepts. That's all ahead on this Thursday edition of Locked On Patriots. Mark Schofield back with you now on this Thursday installment of Locked On Patriots doing some listener questions right now. And we're going to continue. We're going to talk more big picture stuff right now. Question from my boy Michael Kist at Michael Kist NFL. He is one of the great minds over at Bleeding Green Nation as well as one half of the fantastic Kist and Solak show. I'm not going to tell you if he's the good half or the bad half because I like Ben too and I don't want to get in any bit of trouble here. But Mike asks... What's the new flavor in the passing game concepts? And it's a fantastic question and a love that one that I'm going to love to talk about for a little bit here because, you know, studying the passing game and route concepts and things like that, that's what I do, you know, basically Tuesday through Thursday each week, you know, looking at, you know, trying to get a handle of like 10 or 12 different offenses each week, you know, cycling my way through quarterback study and things like that, you know, even working down to the college game. And what's been interesting about this season and sort of to get to Mike's question here is while in years past, we definitely saw designs that we were like, oh man, woo, this is one everybody's going to be using and soon enough everybody was. Like for example, last year we saw Yankee concept, Patriots ran it a ton, you know, Texans were running it a ton and pretty soon you're seeing teams running it, you know, the Cardinals have been running it a lot this year with Rosen, um, Bengals, I mean, the Dolphins have been running it some, and so we're seeing you know that matriculate into this year. Last year, the other one was that sort of jet sweep running back seam route. Think the play that the Chiefs hit, you know, to Kareem Hunt on opening night last year, or you know the Rams used it last year with Jared Goff, and now more and more teams are using that. What's been interesting about this year is I haven't really sort of identified something that's like new, that's different that teams have been doing in in that vein. But what we're seeing is more and more usage of sort of the spread air raid type concepts. That's, you know, one issue. You know, we are seeing more usage of jet motion. You know, teams are using that. Watch the Rams, who are sort of the vanguard at the forefront of a lot of the new stuff in the National Football League. They use jet motion as an extra element of play action. And the Patriots have started doing this too, as of other teams. You know, using jet motion. So you'll see plays where you get an inside fake to the running back working towards the middle, then a jet motion fake to a receiver fake in the end around, and then you've got the defense and the second and third level defenders going every which way. You know, it's a way to sort of get that misdirection type of action. And so that's one thing I've noticed. And another thing I've noticed, you know, similar in the vein of, you know, these West Coast concepts, more and more teams are running mesh. More and more teams are running that sort of, sh- you know, dual shallow crossers underneath. 
you know, the Patriots have been running it. The Colts under Frank Reich have been running it. Obviously, the Eagles run it. Uh, more and more teams are doing that. So we are seeing more of these sort of air raid, you know, spread type concepts work their way into the National Football League. So, you know, massive shout out to Mike for the question. Follow him on Twitter at NFL. Next question. And this is one I had to, you know, rack the brain a little bit. It's from Greg Armstrong, who is at Greg, G-R-E-G-A-R-M-S-T-R-O-N-G underscore on Twitter. If you had to build a starting five for a basketball team, out of current NFL players, what would it look like? And I'm not the world's biggest basketball guy. I played it in high school, but I was not very good. Um, not very good at all. Problem when you have small hands and a lack of height. Um, and, you know, as I've, I I barely watch March Madness these days. I barely watch the NBA these days. It's just, you know, as you get kids, you start, you know, a new career and things like that. The outside interests start to get whittled and narrowed down and the time you have to dedicate to watching other stuff gets whittled down to the point where look if i've got spare time chances are i'm hopping in front of an assassin's creed odyssey which my friends is a very i just just get it into it but i'm very excited as i've said this october and november fantastic two months here for for gamers you know, you guys and girls out there that love playing video games, you've got Assassin's Creed, you've got, you know, Fallout 76 coming, you've got Red Dead 2 coming, you've got, you know, Battlefield 5 coming. It's just a fantastic time for video games. And I've been, you know, saving up the gift cards and saving money, socking it away to play a lot of video games over the fall. So I haven't, I don't watch a ton of basketball, but I still know a little bit about the game. And so, you know, the first thing you're going to have to understand is you're going to have to go small. You know, you're not going to really find a true center type, you know, in the National Football League. And so, you know, that's the the first thing. So you're going to have to go small. You're going to have to go three guard, you know, two forward type lineup. And, you know, obviously one forward. I think you're going to have Jimmy Graham in there because remember, hey, he played basketball. I've heard that once or twice. And so you're going to have Graham there. And the other, you know, forward type I'm going to go is Gronkowski. You know, I think he'd be a good pick too. I mean, so you got your two guys down low. Again, we're going to be going small. We're going to be doing a lot of running here. It's going to be more like, you know, the, those those Arkansas teams under Nolan Richardson, for example. Hit the Google machine, kids. Look those up. 40 minutes of you-know-what. I'm going three guards here, okay? We're going to have Julio Jones and Antonio Brown as sort of our swing guard types, um, kind of like what they can do sort of in the off-ball situation. And we're going to have somebody running point. And who better right now to run point for a basketball team if you're going to be making it from NFL players than Patrick Mahomes? And the guy can deal. You know, so I mean, that's going to be my start of five. My team's on the floor. So again, Gronk, Jimmy Graham, Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, Patrick Mahomes. That's my five. Boom. That's the list. Next question from my boy at Captain Huggyface at C A P N H U G G Y F A C E. He's always sending in questions. Huge, huge, huge fan of the show. Huge fan of his. Please give him a follow on Twitter. For each of the rookie quarterbacks who have started this year, name their best and their worst traits. And I thought about, you know, just sort of rehashing where they were pre-draft, but having watched a lot of these guys to this point, I think it's better to sort of update it to where we are right now. Let's start, you know, with Sam Darnold. And I, I think coming into the league, anticipation was probably one of his best traits. It sort of set him apart from some of the other guys. A lot of young quarterbacks can't make those anticipation throws. But right now... I think something that's really helping him acclimate himself to the NFL is sort of his playmaking ability, his ability to make plays off structure, outside the pocket. You watch his game against Jacksonville, for example. He was faced with a lot of situations where you know he really had to you know, make something out of nothing against a tough defense, and he did that. And so as this offense 
begins to grow around him, as Jeremy Bates begins to grow as a play caller, that's going to help him. The bad right now with him is still the mechanics. And, you know, I said it when we were talking about him uh, for Tuesday's show. You know, mechanics, they're not a problem until they are. I think right now they are a little bit of a problem for him. You know, so that's something certainly to watch with, you know, Sam Darnold going forward. Josh Rosen, accuracy, still stands out. Watch that game against Seattle. You know, watch his game against San Francisco. Guy can put the ball into his shoebox. I've been very impressed with his ability to make throws to all levels with accuracy and velocity. That still stands out. What I want to see him sort of clean up is process and speed, not all the time, in the red zone. You know, I talked about this play before. I'll talk about it again then. He had a great chance to make a play in the red zone against Seattle, but he came off a concept too quickly. He got fooled by what he saw pre-snap into post-snap. Thought he saw what man coverage. Okay, roll to cover two, red two type look, red zone cover two look, and he missed an opportunity to make a big play in the passing game for a touchdown. I want to see him get better in those moments, but I've been very impressed with Josh Rosen. Josh Allen, no surprise. His best trait is his arm. It is as advertised. The kid has an absolute hose, an absolute cannon. Now, it is a double-edged sword because there are times when the mental side isn't up to snuff and he's still too slow and he doesn't trust what his eyes are showing him. And as a result, he's late with throws, but he still thinks he can get away with it. And at times he does. So I do wonder if this arm of his is going to almost stunt his development from a mental standpoint. Because if you don't have to be quick with your mind because your arm is so great, you know, you might not ever really try to improve that because you won't have to. You know, so that's something that I'm really sort of watching with him. The arm being a double-edged sword. Also, worst trade for him right now, it remains his feel for some routes. Particularly routes to running backs out of the backfield, those shallow routes underneath. Everything remains a problem that can be solved with a fastball. He needs to get away from that. I've been impressed with him. I think he's ahead of where many, myself included, thought he was going to be. But it's still a work in progress. Finally, Baker Mayfield. Look, the competitive toughness. Watch that mic'd up thing that they did with him against Oakland. You know, he's talking about dinner reservations for number 11, Antonio Callaway, in the end zone. And he's going to be ordering the, the ceviche. Yeah, he's talking about ordering the ceviche and stuff. It's just great stuff. And that was always sort of his calling card. The competitive toughness It's one of the reasons why I had him as QB2 in this group. In this group of very talented quarterbacks. It's because he's that guy that just wants to beat you no matter what. And so that remains his best trait. His worst trait right now, I, I think there are the slash of turnovers and trying to do too much. I still think there's a little bit of that with him that he's going to need to clean up. But I've been impressed with, with Mayfield, as I've been impressed at some level, you know, at some degree with all of these guys. And so, you know, a bit fun watching them. You know, very cool to see these guys sort of develop. Final question I'm going to deal with in this segment. A little bit later, we're going to do some, yes, some Toto. It's from NMAC at reluctant underscore trade on Twitter. A couple of questions from a newish fan, newish fan of the NFL. What was the best Patriots offseason move in the past year? Free agency draft, whatever. Why is there a different skill set needed for kickoff returns and punt returns? Really enjoy the podcast. A mini NBA in the National Football League. And NMAC, I thank you so much for those questions and the comment. I really appreciate that. That's kind of what I'm going for. Trying to educate the people as best as I can, even though sometimes I don't always know what I'm talking about. But let me try to answer your questions here. Best Patriots offseason move in the past year, I think, is the acquisition of Trent Brown. 
We're still seeing Sony Michelle acclimate himself to the NFL. I think in the next three or four years, we might come back and say, no, it was Sony Michelle. I think he's that kind of player. Isaiah Wynn hasn't, with the injury, I thought he might have been the answer. Unfortunately, the injury has prevented him from seeing the field. I think the Bentley pick was good. But I think Trent Brown has locked down that left tackle spot, which, as we all know, no matter what else, protecting number 12 is job one. So the acquisition of Trent Brown and how he's sort of you know, become that staple left tackle, that anchor type guy on this offensive line, even though guys like Shaq Mason are fantastic. I had my ode to Shaq Mason on Tuesday. I think that was a fantastic acquisition. As for a different skill set needed for kickoff returns and punt returns, there is obviously some overlap. But I think the biggest difference between the two skill sets, the biggest difference between the two positions, and I say this as somebody that used to do some of this in high school and a tiny little bit in college. On kickoff returns, you need more of that lawn speed. You know, because you're going to be getting the ball with some space. So the ideal skill set is one that can cover a vast amount of ground in a short amount of time. That lawn speed. You know, because it's going to be, you know, 10, 15 yards until you're going to be seeing people. The more distance you can cover in that sort of period of time, the better field position you're going to have. Whereas for partly turners, it's that burst, short area quickness, and change of direction. Because you might have some guys pretty much bearing down on you when you're fielding that punt. And there's also a processing speed, decision-making element to being a punt return. You've got to know where you are on the field. You've got to be smart. If you're near your own end zone, you've got to put the heels on the five or even the 10, depending on what your coaches are telling you. And if it's over your head, just let it go. Don't field punts inside the 10, inside the five. You know, play for that sort of potential roll into the end zone and touchback situation. Know when to fair catch it. So you've got to be able to sort of read what's happening on the field while still finding and identifying where the ball is so you can make a secure catch because that's kind of job one. And if you do decide to forego the fair catch, you've then got to evade people quickly. And so those are the major differences between the two. Um, hope that helped answer your question. Up next, we're going to do, yes, some total stuff as well as talking about getting back into the game of football that we all love. But first, I want to remind everybody about our great friends over at Swap.com. Isn't it crazy how much we pay for new brand name clothes? If you parents out there, why do we buy new kids clothes if they just outgrow them in a few months? Wouldn't it be great if there was a place to discover awesome discounts on gently used clothes? Well, there is. Swap.com, the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. Stop driving to store after store and sifting through racks. Stop wasting time, wasting valuable Saturday afternoons, Sunday afternoons, when you could be watching some great college or pro action. When you can easily just be at home sifting through millions of clothes in seconds on Swap.com with easy-to-use filters to find just what you need. Swap.com is the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. And with Swap.com, you can save up to 90% off retail price on your favorite brands like Carter's, Nike, J.Crew, Gap, and more. They have quality, hand-inspected items which are added to their site daily. And if something doesn't fit, enjoy hassle-free returns within 30 days. They have a special offer for Locked On Patriots listeners. Get 35% off select items for your first order with that promo code LOCKEDON. Plus, you can find new deals every day on Swap.com's homepage. Swap.com, the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. Mark Schofield back with you now on this Thursday installment of Locked On Patriots. And I know we're running a little long here, but I wanted to take the time to make sure I got to all of your questions. And we're going to go a little bit long in this segment as well. I hope you can bear with me here. I don't usually do this, but hey, you know, I'm having some fun here and I want to make sure I get to everybody. 
Let's close it out in this final segment here with one more sort of serious question. This is from Amorelian at A-M-O-R-E-I-E-L-L-A-N on Twitter. I really like football, never played in college, coached freshman for a year, have a great interest in the game even outside of my two teams. How would I go about getting involved in the game again? Coaching, writing, reporting? And it's a fantastic question and it's one that made me think a little bit. And I'll come back to where I usually do on questions such as this one, which is it is such a fantastic, fantastic game. I mean, excuse me, fantastic time to be interested in football. You know, from the from the reporting side, from the writing side, from the coverage side, obviously there are so many different outlets, so many ways that you can, you know, lend your voice to coverage of the game. And you can just do it. You know, I've I've given a, a personal friend some advice on this area before. You know, I come back to, for example, I'm a movie guy, so I come back to The Martian and sort of the end of that movie where, you know, Matt Damon's character, you know, basically is starting to teach a class to astronauts and he basically says, you begin, you solve a problem, you know, you work the problem, you find a solution and if you find enough solutions, you get to go home. And it's the same way now. If you want to get into this, you just begin. You start your own site. You reach out to places like Inside the Pile and say you want to write there. Um, so if you want to get into the coverage side of it, you can just do it. You can start your own blog. You can start your own YouTube channel. And if you do enough good work, you do enough creative, insightful content, people will find you. People will discover you and you get to go on doing it. That's the path that fell into my lap. You know, and it can be hard at times. It can be overwhelming at times. I mean, there have been times, you know, when I, you know, a year or so ago, two years ago, even now, there are times when I get on Twitter and I see all the great work that people are doing. I'm just like, I can't keep pace with this. Everybody out there, this guy's better than me. This woman's better than me. These people are better than me. This site's better than anything I'll ever do. But if you keep at it, you keep doing the work, you know, people will find it, people will appreciate it, and you'll get more opportunities. And... To the other aspect of the question there, this is a great time to get into coaching the game. Because let's be honest. You know, I think we can be honest here. You, I and others, if you listen to this show, chances are you love the game of football. And I love this game to its core. This game has done so much for me. Between setting me up for, for life or teaching me lessons from when I was a kid playing the game to putting me on the path to a college and later on a, a law school that I might not have gotten into without the path that football put me on, where I ended up meeting a woman who's now my wife, and now we have two kids and a great family. And so football has done so much for me, but between the rules and the NFL and the NCAA and, yes, the, the CTE issues, you know, the game does have some problems. The game does have some things that people might be worried about. And so it's a great time to get involved at the coaching level whether it's Pop Warner or high school, you know, and start teaching these kids, you know, the right way to approach the game, the right way to tackle, the heads-up method of tackling so we can keep growing this game and people don't have to be afraid of it. I, I know the head issue, injury issue is a scary one. I have a son that loves this game. I have a son that is going as Carson Wentz for Halloween, which as a Patriots fan kind of, you know, cuts me to the quick, but as a guy that evaluated Carson Wentz and loved Carson Wentz as a quarterback, I'm kind of proud of him. You know, but 
you know, I do wonder about that day he comes home and asks me, Dad, can I play tackle football? And I'm going to say, look, we can play flag until you get a little bit older and stuff like that. But there are great ways to get involved as coach, as a coach. You know, coach flag if you want to. Teach this game to kids so they, they learn to love it because the game itself is a beautiful game. And so that's kind of how I'd, I'd approach that. Let, let's close it out with some Toto. First, for my buddy Richard Schrager at R-S-S-C-H-R-A-G-E-R. Any truth to the rumor that Toto and Weezer are going to combine to form Tweezer? Richard, any truth to the rumor that the New York Yankees were eliminated the other night by the Boston Red Sox? I know. I know. I know. But Schrager and I, that's what we talk about when we are trying to play golf and hack our way around Blue Mash. But there's no truth to the rumor that Weezer, Toto and Weezer are going to combine to form Tweezer. But I did get this question. The great Jeff Risden, at Jeff Risden, friend of the show. Jeff wears many, many hats over at the Wire network of websites, managing editor for Browns Wire and Lions Wire, as well as doing NFL and draft work for at RealGM on Twitter. And he asks, best Toto song that isn't Africa? And then my man Iconoclast, at I-K-O-N-O-C-L-A-S-T, responded to that. Not sure Mark remembers any others. Should be a compelling take. And it will be a compelling team. And it is tough. It is tough to sort of divorce yourself from the genius that is Africa. But as somebody that did host a Locked on Toto episode, there are different directions you can go. You could go with 99. I mean, that's just some quality, quality, you know, 80s music right there. So you could go with 99, and I would totally respect that take. You could go with Rosanna. Obviously, that was one of Toto's biggest hits. I believe they won a Grammy for that one, and I think people would get that take as well. I'll admit, it got a little bit hard to hit the stop button on that one, and probably tells you how close that Rosanna came to being the pick here, but also a very, very quality, quality Toto song. I would totally understand if that's the direction where people would go. There's another pick here, and this one was the selection by John Henry Smith at JHS the third, third spelled out on Twitter. He is sports director for NBC Connecticut, and he went with Hold the line. 100% their best song ever, including a YouTube link to the video. And I, I agree. It's a fantastic, fantastic song. One that I think many people would pick for their favorite, you know, non-Africa Toto song. I mean, just listen to it. it it's great stuff.
I love the marriage there between sort of the vocals, the background vocals, the guitar work. I think it all just syncs up so well. It's like a well-designed and well-executed passing concept where the quarterback's feet and footwork in the pocket time up perfectly with the route concepts and the breaks from the wide receiver. It just flows and syncs so well. And, you know, I, I agree with, like I said, I agree with John there. It's it's a fantastic song, one that I more than understand being the selection for John and I'm sure many others. But for me, for me, my favorite non-Africa Toto song is I Won't Hold You Back. And it's got lyrics, it's got emotion, it's got that ballad sort of element to it that sort of hooks you and grabs you. You know, I'm a big sucker for lyrics, for emotion, for music. And that's why this song for me is my favorite non-Africa Toto song. If I had another chance tonight I try to tell you that the things we had were right Time can erase the love we shared But it gives me time just love it it almost has some like angst to it some like pre-90s pre-grunge like angst some emotion some rawness to it and i love how the drums kind of come in there out of almost nowhere you haven't heard a drum yet in that song i just think it goes so well so there it is i won't hold you back my favorite non Africa Toto song. That will do it for today's show. I will be back tomorrow doing our game day stuff. What I'm looking for when the Patriots have the ball, when the Chiefs have the ball. And of course, what better way to play us out than a little bit more of Toto and I won't hold you back. Until next time, keep it locked right here to me, Mark Schofield, and locked on Toto? Toto?